Welcome back, Rebounders. You're here today on the Inoffensive Rebound. And alongside me, as ever, it's Stuart. Sideline right. And I'm Timmy, backbreaking bunker. Sideline. It's uh, it's been a hell of a week. Um, there's been a lot of there's been food fights in the NBA. There's been incredible winning streaks. There's been even more incredible losing streaks. Uh, and before we get into that action, hoop growth. Of course. Now, after we've come down from the giddy highs of the All Star Weekend, hoop growth is celebrating the momentous occasion of the dunk contest by providing the first three customers the opportunity to be the judges of the NBA All Star Dunk Contest next year. To Register your name into this prestigious contest. Head to hoopgrowth.com.ph. Thank you very much, Sideline. And I'm glad to see there is some order coming into the judging of the dunk contest. Yes. Because if there's if this year's dunk contest is anything to go by, the judges had absolutely no technical know-how, no background, no... What were their qualifications? Well, hang on. Let's take it back a little bit. So there were five judges. Yep. So we had, of course, Chris Rock, Mark Wahlberg, Julius Irvine, Lisa Leslie, and DJ Khaled. So I could see Dr. J there being yes. one of the most incredible dunkers of all time. And obviously have a PhD next to his name. Yep. Uh, and then we've got Lisa... Leslie. Leslie, who I understand is a two-time WNBA champion and is has, I think, maybe dunked once. Uh, I thought she was a singer. Okay, that is incorrect. You're thinking of DJ Khaled. Okay, yes. Yeah. But he is also qualified, obviously, getting the, you know, the pre-numerals next to his name, the DJ. Yeah, okay, very... understandable. So if we, if we allow in DJ Khaled... Lisa and Dr. J. What is Mark Wahlberg and Chris Rock doing there? Not a lot. Actually, next to nothing. Like, I, I think there's a big conflict of interest because obviously Chris Rock, big New York Knicks fan. Then, of course, Wahlberg, a big Celtics fan. You know, no Knicks or Celtics were competing in the dunk contest this year. But of course. regardless, you know, bringing in those kind of bias really, I don't think, is appropriate for this kind of, you know, professional competition. Yeah, absolutely. And, and sideline, just to recap for the rebounders. So, uh, who was it that won the dunk contest again this year? Uh, it wasn't Dennis Smith Jr. as he was definitely robbed in what we thought. What I thought was the, he had the best dunk of the, the dunk contest. Yeah, it was sort of like a three sixty between the legs scoop, taking off basically from the free throw line. It was an incredible dunk, mm. uh, and he should have got him through the second round, but he didn't even get to the second round. He certainly didn't. And then Larry Nance Jr. went in ahead of him, which I thought was a bit controversial, just emulating what his father did twenty odd years beforehand. Yeah, I mean. All he did was really just change his clothes really quickly. Yeah. I mean, uh, I can do that. Yeah, I've seen you do it many times without you even knowing. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it wasn't that great. And they always talk about how athletes over time have gotten better. Yes. I saw no evidence of that with Larry Nance Jr. It just sort of looked like he was doing what his dad did pretty much exactly the same. Exactly right. Yeah, so it's a bit of a shame that, you know, perhaps we're going backwards as a, as a human race, as shown by Larry Nance Jr. Yeah. So it was Donovan Mitchell, I believe, in the end, who ended up winning the entire thing. Who is a impressive in-game dunker yes. but as you said I disagreed overall mm. uh, and this is when we look to cl- cast the blame on one or more of the du- judges so we're we going to focus on Warburg or Chris Rock I think I think we should go with Warburg. yeah I agree he is very unlikable generally and yeah. there's a lot of things to pick on him for what, what's what's the most unlikable thing about Warburg in your opinion his height his height okay and he's short. Oh, and also the fact that he abused, I think, a Vietnamese immigrant about 20 years ago. Ooh, did that immigrant deserve it, though? No. Did, they, did he come to the country and take someone's job? No. no. Okay. Well, I forgot Trump's here today with us in the show. Okay, yes. Well, it's good to know that, you know, we're progressing forward as, as, as people, but maybe not as athletes. Um, and so the dunk contest, which was a blight on an otherwise, I think, pretty fantastic NBA All-Star weekend. Yes. 
the highlight of which for me was the All-Star Game, which had a different format, of course, this season. It wasn't the Taco Bell School Contest? It, the Taco Bell Skills Contest, as good as it was, it probably wasn't the highlight okay. for me. Yes. Um, it was probably the All-Star Game. Uh, Actually, funnily enough, that was also my highlight for the weekend. Interesting. Interesting coincidence. Yes. Um, we saw a, a, an incredibly competitive game. We given. Did. It was an all-star game. It's been, Um, what, would you say at least 15 seasons since we've seen a competitive game? I would say so. Uh, I don't really... Well, there's a difference to the format this season where rather than East versus West, it was uh, sort of picking players who you wanted on your team. Yeah, the old schoolyard approach. Yeah, exactly. So we saw Steph Curry get kicked and bitten. Yes. Classic schoolyard approach. Yeah. Uh, And then ultimately, Team LeBron won. Yeah, quite incredible as well, given that the last possession... Three-point game, they couldn't even get the shot off, which is very un-All-Star-like, given that, you know, it was the defense that caused this lack of shot. Yeah, and it was I thought it was interesting as well, seeing that Steph Curry had the ball on that last possession. Mm. He, you know, you would have thought he's the guy who's going to get the shot. He did. He passed it away. He didn't he even did. want it. He, had, he did have a, a decent look, given, you know, kind of quite a few meters back from the three-point line. But, yep. you know, he's been known to shoot from there before. And decided to give it to someone else who was double teamed by LeBron and Kevin Durant, who yeah. are obviously somewhat decent defenders. And do you, what, what's your takeaway, Stuart, from this All Star game? Do you think that maybe LeBron managed to get in Durant's ear during that, being that they were teammates and might have an impact on perhaps the finals this year? Oh, look, I'd love to think so. I'd love to think that LeBron is kind of whispering to Durant and saying, hey, mate, I've got a, I've actually still got a really shit team here in Cleveland. Yeah. Maybe, you know, if I'm nice to you in this game, maybe you'll be a bit nice to me come the playoffs and, you know, give us a chance. Let us win a game or two. You it's know. possible. It's very possible. I mean, we saw some interesting camaraderie in terms of high fives from the free throw line, I understand. We certainly did. So there was a great moment where Carl Anthony Towns at the free throw line made a free throw, went to high five one of his teammates, Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson just turned his back on him. Oh. So typical Clay. Terracotta warrior. Uh, absolutely. But then upstep. Uh, uh, Andre Drummond from the opposition team to provide that high five for Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, that's a pretty good showing. I yes. quite like that. Um, do you think that sort of thing will take, you know, will come into place more regularly in regular games as well? Well, so what I'd like to see is not only the high five from the opposition, but one of those, you know, really kind of advanced high fives where you've got eight different slaps and, and things. Yeah, and that'd be really good because I know that you know there are a few close te- uh, close mates in the NBA who play for opposition teams, and so I think you know one one for mind is Kevin Durant and DeAndre Jordan. They're very yeah. good mates. They it's quite well known. So I would like to see kind of those two. You know, if one dunks on the other, they then after the dunk, then kind of go through an elaborate kind of high five. I think that would be really incredible. I mean, one of the best high fives I've seen recently was actually with a, uh, a spectator on the sideline. What happened? Uh, this is at the end of a Jazz against Rockets game. It was the dying 10 seconds. Rockets were up comfortably. They had the mm. game. Chris Paul had possession on the sideline, and he went and he high-fived James Harden's mum on the sideline. That's delightful. Oh, it was a real touching moment for everyone, getting to see, you know, high-five, mm. high-fiving a mum. And would you believe the referees called him out of bounds? They're really out of touch these days, aren't they, these referees? I mean, that's just refereeing a little bit too strictly, a little they bit too in it. accordance with the rules. I agree. There's I mean, got to be some leniencies. We see it all the time. We see players take six steps and dunk and no one no one bats an eyelid. And then all of a sudden, a player steps out with the ball to give a high five to someone's mother and he's getting called. Is it sexist? Is it racist? Is it mummist? I'd like to know. Is it all three? Uh, it probably is. Yes. Um, but otherwise, the going back to the All-Star weekends, Stewie, uh, probably the highlight for me, though, wasn't something that happened on the court. Well, it was on the court, but it was uh, didn't involve a basketball play. It was Fergie. Oh, yes, of course. The national anthem. And what an anthem it was. I, it, was it was incredible. Out of 10, what would, you, what would you give it? Oh, I mean, can you get, do better than 10? 
Yes, you can. Eleven is the top score. Oh, okay. Well, then I give her two. Okay, good. <laughs> it was it was truly <laughs> it was abysmal. Atrocious. Um, oh, it was disgusting. I the only thing that was good that came out of it was all the players and fans' reactions throughout the whole anthem because no one could keep a straight face. No, it was because she did sort of this weird sort of jazzy style, "Happy Birthday to You, Mr. President" esque. Yes. Sort of singing, and uh, we had some interesting shots from Draymond Green. He was yawning and laughing, and oh, yeah. It was sort of like one of those situations where you're in class with a substitute teacher, and nobody can help themselves from laughing, yeah. and they all sort of got the giggles collectively. Yeah, because we even saw Carl Anthony Towns, you know, kind of break into laughter. Jimmy Kimmel and Chance the Rapper in the crowd making eye contact, being like, what the fuck is this shit? Yeah. Like, it, it was, was quite incredible. It was universally terrible. Uh, but credit to her, Fergie after the game came out and she. Acknowledged that she had done pretty woefully. Yes. Uh, Apologised to the fans. Um, do we accept it? it will we la- allow her back on the court ever again? I say no. How do you feel about it? I think I'll give her another chance. I okay. mean, if we give Draymond another chance after showing a dick pic to everyone, okay. I think we should give but, Fergie another well chance. Well, then let me ask you this question. What is worse, singing the national anthem poorly, very unpatriotic, or accidentally sending a dick pic to the whole world? Ooh. I think you're really offending the flag and America yes. with the dick pic. Yes. Okay, so you're saying the dick pic is worse. The dick pic is worse. Okay, interesting. Is that because Draymond Green has a tattoo of the flag on his dick? Yes, and okay. that his dick was singing the national anthem at the okay, time. Okay, yeah. I okay. really didn't like that. No. Um, another incredible statistic sideline that came out of the All-Star game for me was seeing the an amazing transformation of Joel Embiid. Mm. Um, I read a stat this week that said that in 2010, Joel Embiid picked up a basketball for the first time in his life. Uh, in 2015, he was drafted number three after playing less than 85 competitive games of basketball in his entire life. Mm. And in 2018, you see him picked as a starter in the All-Star game. It's a remarkable eight-year period. Very few, if any, basketballs could claim to have progressed so far in eight years, I think it's fair to say. And do you think it's something to do with his tremendous height? I mean, he's a seven-foot player. Or do you think it gives hope to all those African refugees that one day, you know, within eight years, you could be starting an all-star game? Uh, Look, I think it's a bit of both. I think that, you know, you still need that height to get you there. But the height alone doesn't get you that far and doesn't, you know, give you some of the skills that, uh, you know, Joel Embiid certainly does possess. And so I think it gives a lot of hope for a lot of players to you know, make it into the NBA. I know you picked up the basketball for the first time seven years ago. Yeah, thereabouts. So you're expecting next year to start in the All-Star game? Look, I'm not comparing myself to Embiid. I think I might be a little bit slower. So I'm aiming for either 2018 or 2019 for my All-Star game appearance. Fair enough. And then what was... was Are you expecting then to get a a first date with Rihanna after that? No, she's a bit old news for me. Okay, sure. Who are you focusing on then? I'm uh, I'm looking at Scarlett Johansson. Okay, fair enough. I'm looking New at news, her. definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, now, sideline. The other big thing that came out of the All Star Weekend for me was Zaza Pachulia. What, what happened to Zaza? Well, it wasn't so much to do with the All Star Weekend, but actually immediately after it. Okay. And it was an injury that occurred involving Mr. Pachulia, and this is where it was. Uh, he hurt himself. No. Ooh. He hurt somebody else. That's unusual. And not just mentally, but physically. Okay. Uh, there's a bit of an interesting video, and I suggest rebounders go watch it, where Russell Westbrook fell over, and then Patchouli just sort of looked at Westbrook on the ground, surveyed the situation, and decided to pretty much nosedive on top of Pach- uh, Westbrook's leg as, as hard as he could. Um, and it really started a huge debate in the NBA as to how dirty a player is Patchouli, and did he do it on purpose? 
And surely we had a unanimous response saying that he is excessively dirty and it was intentional. Yeah, so pretty much everyone other than Pachulia's own teammates have come out and said, yeah, he is a really dirty player and yes, it was intentional. Interesting. Somebody like Kyrie Irving came out, commented on Instagram that uh, he must have done it on purpose, that he's mm. trying to hurt people. Yeah. Um, Durant even had to come out and was like, look, I just think he's really clumsy. But clumsy is code for you dirty. Yes. Totally. So is it Georgian? Is that right? Zaza Pachulia? Is that where he's from? He is. He's from the sort of the, the Georgian region near Russia, one of, near the stands, basically. Yeah, you can't trust that area, can you? No, it is it is a bit dodgy generally. Do I we mean, need to bring in a, a bit of a ban for all players from the stand Georgian Azerbaijani area? Well, I think so. There's not a lot of players from there to begin with. But can we risk this happening and becoming more widespread in the NBA? I mean, it might threaten, though, a new Cold War between the stands and America. But is it worth it to protect our players like Russell Westbrook? I think so. Okay, good. So from here on now, we'll be announcing this ban. Yes. Um, come hell or high water, if you're from the stands, any stand, any stand, you're not allowed in the NBA. I agree. Excellent. Okay. So the other thing that I took out from the All-Star Weekend was, of course, the always much-watched referee-player meeting. So every, every All-Star weekend, all the players and referees get together to kind of discuss certain issues, whether, you know, it's certain kind of things that have been long-standing issues between players, like, say, Draymond Green, who apparently doesn't get along very well with the referees, or just other little kind of rule changes and interpretations. And so this year, we only saw two players turn up to the referee-player conference. I mean, that's a pretty pathetic turnout. Oh, absolutely. So it was just uh, Dinwiddie and Andre Godala who turned up to the, the meeting, which is Really not not a great showing, is it? To be fair, Dinwiddie had just won the Taco Bell Skills Challenge. So, I mean, he had that on his resume, which yeah. sort of makes him a pretty incredible person to come along. He's probably shouting the referees a lot of tacos. I'm sure there's a lot of kind of all-you-can-eat kind of Absolutely. offers that come along with that. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, but interestingly, I read that Lou Williams, who had been invited to the, skills, the Taco Bell Skills Challenge as well, he yeah. had been invited along to the referee meeting uh, yep. he declined at the last moment decided he just came out and said i had something better on Ooh, what was the better thing uh he didn't he didn't elaborate given that they're in la there wasn't a lot to do i suggest no no probably all. just hanging out at home you know picking the belly button fluff out good always um, necessary you don't want to get that built up too quickly it's always embarrassing it will be interesting to see though if the referees sort of take it easier now on dinwiddie and igadala yes because they made the effort totally they came along they did the right thing i agree uh or whether they'll just sort of get a bit grumpier. Because there's been a lot of people commenting that relations between referees and players are at the lowest ebb. It's quite possible. I believe it, for sure. We've seen a lot, a lot of tech fouls this year. And we've seen a lot of airtime for players like DeMarcus Cousins, Draymond Green. And Durant, even. Yes, of course. He's having a bad year with the referees. He's been ejected four or five times, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting to see. I think rather than having a meeting... They really need to have a game together. Oh, that'd be good. Referee against players, uh, with referees refereeing as well. Yeah, of course. To give them a chance in these things, uh, yeah. and like just get it out on the court. You know, if you want to get your technical out on a ref, you want to commit a flagrant foul, go for it. Yeah, yeah. Get all that anger out, and then we could just continue on with the rest of the season. No, it'd be good. I think that maybe that might be a good lead up to the playoffs, perhaps. Really, kind of sort out those issues before you get to those really important games. Yep. And then, um, and then kind of have a few injuries to some referees. Zaza can fall on a few referees that he's not really kind of inclined. With. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So uh, it's probably the perfect solution. We can easily get rid of the crap referees with Zaza involved and then the good referees will hopefully, you know, make good and build up good relationships with these players that will be in the playoffs. I think so. Now, Sidelon, one area which I think that there is some tension on refereeing 
uh, in this area generally is the end of a game. So you're coming to the last minute of a game. Yeah. One team has won the game. It's pretty much garbage time. Yes. And they the winning team takes a shot or yeah. they go for an easy dunk or something like that. And the losing team always seems to react very badly to that. They get upset that they're running up the score. Yes. Now, in a game where the for and against makes no difference on the ultimate outcome and the fact that they've already let them get this far ahead, I don't feel like the team that's losing really has a strong argument to not be scored on again. But it doesn't stop the players kind of really arcing up and getting in each other's face, does it? No, it doesn't. I mean, so the most recent example of that we had this week was the Cavs against the 76ers. The 76ers were up by about 8 or 10 points, and yep. it was the last 15 seconds, and Dario Saric had a free line to the hoop, free yep. lane to the hoop. He went up and he dunked it, and then Jordan Clarkson from the Cavs gave him a push in the back. He, he was very upset about it. Yep. And I just don't understand it at all. Uh, look, at that point in the game, you've already been embarrassed by being kind of shown up by the 76ers. You should probably just let it go and just put the ball back into the court and just let the last 12 seconds play out. That's what I would be doing in that situation. But Start high-fiving the mums on the sideline. Exactly things right. Things like that. Yeah, yeah. You've got lots of good options. But, you know, pushing another player who's just scored against your team in a game where they've convincingly beaten your team and then having to walk up to the locker room early as everyone watches you with only 10 seconds left on the clock... Not a not a good look. I don't think I no. wouldn't I wouldn't be happy if I were you know kind of doing those kind of things. I think my mum would also refuse to high five me if I were getting ejected with twelve seconds to go. I think so. I mean, and she's a very liberal high five. I'll have you. She know. is. She. I mean, she. I've seen her. She likes the bum slaps too. Yes. Um. She's all about that. So it is. It is quite confusing. Uh, and I think it's one of those areas that a few players just need to come out and say, like, you know, your, your pedigree players need to come out and say, look, we don't care about this. Yeah. We don't care about our plus minus. Just go ahead. Do what you want. Yeah. Let's just keep playing to the end. But then I guess you always have to factor in, you know, Jordan Clarkson is a big fantasy player and he doesn't have Darius Saric in his team. So maybe he's just a little bit frustrated that, you know, he's watching these points. Potential fantasy points, you know, just go to waste. And so maybe... Maybe it's the fantasy sport that's really the issue here. I think we'll have to take that risk with the fantasy sport. Yes, I maybe think so. maybe Jordan Clarkson should be focusing on real life sport rather than the fantasy sport. But fantasy sport, there's a lot of money in fantasy sport these days. Maybe he's you know on the brink of winning you know a big hundred thousand dollar pool of money. Interesting. Yes, we'll we'll have to keep an eye on that. Yeah. Now speaking of a lot of money sideline, um, this week we saw some very interesting news re- regarding the Mavericks. We certainly did. Now, I know that one of your favorite CEOs, Earl Sneed, uh, sorry, Terdemi Ursary, has kind of been implicated in all of this. I'm pretty think, upset about it. Yeah, I would imagine you would be. Uh, but let's, let's start with Mark Cuban, shall we? Yeah, Mark Cuban, so the owner of the Cavs, yeah. a fantastic judge on Shark Tank. What, what's he done now? Uh, well, he's been fined $600,000, which is a pricey sum, especially for someone who's looking to invest in Shark Tank all the time. Yeah. That, you know, takes away the opportunity from other, some potential great inventions and ideas. And so it's a bit of a shame that we're, the world's losing a little bit with this $600,000 fine. And so what did he do this time? Did he congratulate the Germans again or what's going on here? Not the Germans this time. No, he was actually implicated saying that the Cavs were intentionally, uh, sorry, the Mavs were intentionally losing this year. They're trying to lose, obviously, with the aim of getting higher draft picks. Okay, so he came out and basically admitted that the Mavs are tanking. Yes. Uh, why did he do this? It seems like a pretty str- like Cuban is a relatively intelligent guy. He is, but he's given us the perfect reasoning behind this mishap. So basically, dog ate his homework. Ooh, not this time. No, he's used that one before. So okay. You can use that once a year. Um, so we went early with that one. No, yeah. so apparently he was 
you know, surrounded by the great man himself, Dr. Julius Irving. Irving. Yep. And so obviously with Irving's PhD and his kind of intellectual ability, he was a little bit kind of intimidated and then accidentally said that the Cavs were int- better off losing this season than winning more games. The Mavs, sorry, were better off losing this season than winning more games. And so as a result, he was fined $600,000. So really it's, you know, the, the pressure that Irving puts on, you know, players and other people around him that I think is the cause of this fine. I sort of understand it to a degree. I get quite nervous when I visit the doctor. Yes. Um, and I think it's understandable. The question for me is, number one, is Dr. J going to be dipping into his pool of funds to help out his friend Mark? No, and I think the fact that Dr. Dr. J was also dipping his finger into other parts of Cuban's body to, you know, to perform various medical procedures yep. is still relevant here. But it's not worth $600,000. I don't care how much someone offers you to put those parts of their body into parts of your body. It's $600,000 is well above market price. I, I would agree. Uh, and on the topic of dipping your fingers into places they shouldn't be, the other news coming out of the Mavs this week, an enormous sexual harassment investigation conducted by Sports Illustrated. Yeah, so it's quite incredible that Sports Illustrated were the lead investigators in this. Yeah, you know, you usually think about like the New York Times, Wall Street yes. Journal, things like that, conducting these quite uh, intensive articles. I thought Sports Illustrated just had the swimsuit edition. Yeah, exactly right. But apparently there's some quality journalism going on there well, too. There certainly is. So basically they uncovered years and years of sexual harassment, mainly coming from the CEO, uh, a gentleman known as Tadema Ursary, who I've previously pointed out you were quite in favour of, correct? I used to be until all of these all this news came out, and I would like to say that we've never been friends. Okay, I've never condoned what he's done. I was might have been there at a couple of times in the lift with him making these comments, but sure. I really didn't like them. Yeah, so it really seemed like they had well, it's been described as having a locker room mentality in the front office. Yeah, so and quite strangely, when so basically what the situation was that when people, especially female staffers, came into the office. People like the CEO said awful things to them like, you know, how was your weekend? Did you go have a big gangbang? When are we going to have sex? Like, is this getting on soon? They just sort of, the CEO was now renowned allegedly for touching people. Yes. And just being generally really inappropriate. Yeah, no, some horrific scenes there. And so it's interesting that people would say the only safe place in the organization was the actual locker room, which is often contradictory to how it's usually seen. Yeah. And so to think... That, you know, the Mavericks also won a championship over this period of time kind of makes you think that it's maybe a little bit tainted, but also just there's no place for this kind of behavior no, in, anywhere there, in the world. There absolutely is it. And my question is, is there now also no place for the phrase locker room behavior? Because Ooh. it seems like the locker room is the safest place to be. Certainly right. That's a very good point. So maybe we change it to front office behavior. Yeah, front office behavior that we just won't handle anymore. This is, it's too much. No, I agree. I think we need to kind of make this change, make a you know, a bit of a movement in society to make sure that we are showing that the players are actually, you know, being respectful to, you know, all these, you know, other, you know, the females in the organization. And of course. Not kind of being derogatory or harassing them in any such way. And interestingly, Mark Cuban, who is renowned of being in control and very hands-on in the day-to-day mm. organization of the Mavs, he came out and he said, I had no knowledge about this. Yes, which is very hard to believe. You'd have to think that he... It was at least vaguely across it, but I would I would say he would be very much across he it. He must have had some sort of cursory knowledge of what was going on there. And surely Ursary would have made a pass at Cuban at some stage. I mean, he's a good-looking dude. Absolutely. I reckon he would have said quite something. Quite well-known, quite famous. You know, they're the kind of stars that you want to attract when you make these, 
you know, unwanted propositions. Yeah, and so Cuban this week announced that the Mavs would be conducting an internal uh, independent investigation into this. Um, that'll be interesting to see what happens here. And yes. I think it's a bit strange that the Mavs are conducting the investigation. Not Sports Illustrated? Yeah, I'd yeah. like Sports Illustrated. I mean, get your swimsuit edition there done. Exactly too. right. Yeah, yeah. So another... Th- oh, look, we've seen, we've seen plenty of issues lately in the NBA, but let's talk about the issue with J.R. Smith. Let's do it. Moving from the Mavs to the Cavs, I've had a few issues with the two teams this episode, but let's see if I can overcome them now. Well, I say right now, let's get one of them to change their names. Yes. Because it's too confusing for you. Um, Absolutely, it is. So I'm going to talk to Mark Cuban. Yep. Maybe we can can come to an agreement here. Okay, interesting. So so what's going on with J.R. Smith's... He hasn't been uh, smoking on the reefer again, has he? Not that I'm aware of, uh, but from what I understand, he's been recently benched and he's not happy with being benched. Uh, why is that? So uh, the story I've heard, the news that's come come to me is that Rodney Hood was chosen to start ahead of him one game, so he came off the bench, very unhappy with that, and kind of went AWOL after that moment, um, which is interesting because, you know, if a new player comes to the organization and he's a better player than you, your response shouldn't be to leave and, you know, do that kind of thing. Your response should be to train harder, to kind of earn your position back. But this is J.R. Smith, who's exactly renowned right. for some strange things. So, as I understand it, after he was quite upset for uh, for not playing on the sideline, for not playing, sorry, starting the game, he, uh, he had an altercation with an assistant coach at a training session. That's also what I've heard, backbreaking. Uh, and uh, the specific and quite strange story I heard was that J.R. Smith threw some soup at this assistant coach. Pardon me? Yes, you heard this right. He threw some soup at the assistant coach, uh, which is not a good thing to do. No, not at all. As you would know, it's, it's quite slippery and wet. It's just poor human behavior. Poor human behavior. And I believe Tyron Lou had some comments about J.R. Smith after the game. Very good. Very good. You know something? No soup for you. Come back. One year. And there we have Tyron Lu announcing the suspension of J.R. Smith for one whole year. Yes. And more concerningly, no soup for him. It's going to be a long year for J.R. Smith. Oh, his mouth is going to be so parched. No nutrition by a liquid means. It's going to be a very long winter. <sighs> Poor old J.R. It's very sad to hear. Um, speaking now about another interesting issue involving a Cavs player, hmm. um, we had an incident this week down in Florida where we had at the University of Florida, there was a uh, basketball player. He came down for a university game and he decided to emulate his big, great uh, you know, role model, James, LeBron James, and emulate his chalk throwing. So Ooh. I don't know if you've seen this sideline, but back in the day... Is this back in like primary school where they had the blackboard out and he would just throw chalk at the teacher? Not quite. Okay. No, this well, is where... Continue, please. <laughs> this is where we used to play for Miami Heat. He before each game he would come out, put some chalk on his hands, and then throw it into the into the crowd. Ah, uh, yes, I know what you're talking about. And it was it's, it's quite a sort of poetic little scene. It's yes. quite moving. But um, obviously in Florida we've had some few security issues recently with the shooting and things like that. Yes. Uh, and so security saw a, a player, and they saw him throwing a white powder into a crowd, and they got a bit nervous, uh, thinking that it was. You know, anthrax or something. So Ooh. that that player who's not been identified, he's he's on the loose now, and wow. he's and he's he's on the run. Interesting. Has LeBron James made any comments about this player? Uh, only he's launched a copyright claim saying, okay. "Stop trying to use my that's my chalk toss. Yes, okay. Don't use it yourself. I mean, even if you're using anthrax or anything else, I don't want you using that." Interesting, because I know that LeBron James often likes to take 
you know, issues into his own hand? Do we expect that LeBron will kind of take a bit of sabbatical from the Cavs in the coming weeks and maybe just go searching for this player who's on the run? I mean, it's very possible. He might be deputized yes. and go on the run after this bloke. But I don't know. Apparently, and this is serious, the, the witness, the witness of the incident said that the person was wearing a LeBron James oh. jersey at the time. So the police put up, uh, on Instagram saying the suspect was last seen wearing this jersey and it just had a LeBron James jersey. <laughs> Did it possibly have LeBron James's face and I was on like, top of the jersey? That is very racist. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of people in Florida who are yeah. wearing that jersey right now. Definitely. Interesting approach. It, it almost reminds me of the great quote from The Simpsons, suspect is hatless. <laughs> There's quite a few people within that realm. Yes, definitely. Moving right along to one potentially racist incident to another, Ooh. Stuart. Yes. Um, we had... Probably one of the most tarnishing incidents of my favourite time of, of the year. And of course that is Chinese New Year. What's that song called? Uh, that one's called, I think I'm turning uh, Chinese. Chinese, okay. Okay. Um, and so of course, we've always had this fantastic time of year... Chinese New Year, it's the year of the dog this year. Mm. And of course, it's got to be somebody like J.J. Reddick to ruin it for all of us. Speaking of dogs, I what mean, did J.J. Reddick do? Well, the NBA put together a quite a nice video for all of their fans in China, mm. wishing them a uh, happy new year. So long, fat choy, I believe. Very well pronounced. Yep. Uh, and so they got a whole bunch of players together saying happy new year, things yes. like that. Um, we saw, you know, Yao Ming was in the video. We had J.I., LeBron, Durant, all saying happy mm. new year. JJ Reddick uh, came out and said, and I apologise in advance. He said, "Happy Chink New Year." Ooh, yeah, right on the nose Ooh. there, JJ. Uh, I don't appreciate that whatsoever. No, uh, he said that he got a bit tongue-tied and he Ooh. said the wrong thing, and it just was sort of it, slipped out. Is he playing Chinese whispers? Like, how did it get to this? I don't know, but racism is racism is racism. It is. We never get tongue-tied here on never. the offensive rebound. Nor do we get racist. Yeah, so. J.I. came out and did like the formal, you know, apology. If anyone was offended by this, I'm very sorry. It was a tongue tie. But clearly he's a racist. Oh, absolutely. And maybe just a quick shout out to all our Chinese listeners. Hola. Hola. Um, uh, what, what are we going to do with J, uh, JJ? Are we going to perhaps maybe some time perhaps with Yao Ming or Jeremy Lin or something like that? Uh, look, I think there are a few options. Obviously, we know that J.J. Reddick is quite fond of some ink. So maybe uh, a Chairman Mao tattoo somewhere on his face. A yin-yang or something. Oh, yin-yang, yeah, very good. Or maybe a, a dog kind of tattooed onto his face to represent the Chinese New Year of the dog. Yeah. I or maybe mean, just write chink on his forehead. <laughs> so everyone knows exactly what he's about. Yes. Um, but maybe here, that's he- a great approach for the NBA. Every kind of misdemeanor that the players kind of go through, they have to get that tattooed on their face. I, I really like that approach. I, I mean, would love to see Draymond Green with a penis on his forehead. Yeah, absolutely. Or Mark Cuban having to have like $600,000 scratched onto his forehead. Certainly. Or even uh, Tadema Ursary with a tattoo of every single female he's sexually harassed. I mean, this is a great policy right here. This yeah. is how we fix the refereeing culture. Definitely. Okay. Well, you've heard it here first on the inoffensive rebound. So, of course, if this is institutionalized, credit where it's due. Yes, of course. Now, Sideline, looking to the week ahead, what do you have got your eye on? Uh, so there are a few games that I'm very interested in. So look, I'm look very much looking forward to the Thunder vs. Rockets game, just because they're two teams that are playing very good basketball at the moment, giving a lot of high fives to the crowd, as we've discussed. Oh, absolutely. So that'll be a great game to watch. I'm also very interested in the Clippers versus the Pelicans, because these are two teams 
in the West that would be probably vying for that eighth spot. Yeah, it's, it's very open at the moment between basically eight to 11. I agree entirely. And the Pelicans are a team that I expected to drop off a little bit after the DeMarcus Cousins injury, but that hasn't really happened. So I've been very uh, impressed that the Pelicans are still kind of maintaining that kind of top eight position. And then, of course, the Clippers are doing, I would say, a lot better than expected, especially after their 10-game losing streak early in the season. Uh, and then I'm quite interested in the Heat versus Phillies game because there are two teams that have almost identical records despite having very different expectations on the two teams at the start of the season. Absolutely. What about you, backbreaking? What are you looking forward to in this coming week? Um, I'm looking more towards your Chicago Bulls, okay, your Mavericks, um, look, and the Lakers. Is this all to do with sexual harassment? No, this is all more... All three teams have great long histories. They, they do. And the other thing that's binding them all together is that they are all tanking pretty hard at the moment. They are. Um, so much so that there's been some pretty amazing incidents. So, for example, yesterday in the Mavs against the Bulls game, there was one point where the Mavs just had four players on the floor. Um, <laughs> is that so? That is correct. And the Bulls still couldn't score because they're both just trying as hard as they can to lose. Excellent. So I've got my eyes on those teams to see just how poorly they play. Do we expect to see like a three-on-three game or something like that sometimes? I, I wouldn't mind it. I mean, mm. that's where you can get your Cuban involved as well. Certainly, yes. Uh, and we'll keep you updated on all your sexual harassment, your tanking, and your general basketball, Mr. Beaners. Perhaps facial ta- tattoos as well? We'll keep you updated with it. And until then, we'll catch you on the rebound.